time to rejoin the conversation. And we are back, and okay, here we go. Party politics, or in this case, uh, something a little less of politics. Uh, So, here's here's what I was thinking. Like I said earlier, uh, in the movie The Dark Knight, Harvey Dent says either you die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. But I've noticed that a few people in the culture have been outliving their hero moment. Uh, the Patriots, uh, Justin Timberlake, you know, like, I mean, who doesn't like Justin Timberlake? But there's a lot of people these days that don't like Justin Timberlake. Um, you know, Jay-Z, Kanye, Eminem, I'm, you know, even Beyonce is, it, 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 some, for some people, are start, is starting to lose her luster. And I'm wondering, what makes people turn on people For what seems to sheerly be They've just been winning too long <laughs> Let me take the Patriots Since I'm oh, kind of an okay. East Coast guy okay. right? You gotta think about this You know, Boston's title time You look at all the titles that the Red Sox And the Celtics and the Bruins And the Patriots mm-hmm. have won mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty impressive So the Patriots I mean, have Bostonians be- are pretty tough folk. I would, yeah, I would say. you know, you got to look at it. It really is kind of title town. And you, you you look at the Patriots who have formed this this group of players and coaches that come and go. They insert players in and out all the time that you never even heard of. Mm-hmm. And their motto is "Do your job." And they don't care who you are. If you're not doing your job, the, not only is the coach going to get on you, the player's going to get on you. So they, this is the culture that they've created. So they created this winning culture. And, they, I mean, they're in Super Bowl almost every year. They don't always win it. But yeah. sooner or later, you wait, get tired of seeing. Wait, what, six times in the last nine years? Yeah. Uh, they, I heard a stat on NFL uh, Network today that the Patriots have been at least to the championship game every year since 2010. Yep. And they yeah, they won six out of the eight Super or I guess five out of the eight, yeah, eight five, Super Bowls. Yep, yeah. yep. So, you know, that's pretty phenomenal record overall. Mm-hmm. And I remember the time they got to the first Super Bowl back in 85, and we had uh, Tony Eason. We had Grogan's quarterback. He got hurt, and Tony Eason took him to the Super Bowl, and we got our asses whipped by the badass Chicago Bears, Mr. Rio. Hey, I'm just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. 85 was a good year. <laughs> but we got, but we got there, you know. And then we got beat by the, by Green Bay too. So you know, there was a couple of teams that got us early on, but we got there. Boo. Green but the Bay. the thing is, is that is that they have won for so long. And I got to admit, you know, I'm sure I was rooting for the Patriots in this last Super Bowl, which, by the way, was probably the best football game I've seen in many, many years. Yeah, that was a great game. That was a good game, but. You kind of actually, even I kind of actually like to see Philly win because Philly is a working working man's team. They're a very kind of fun team. The Patriots are a very regimented team. You know. So, they, so do you do so? Do you think it's just people are just just tired of seeing them win, 
or okay, because some of the the other names that I've mentioned um, have also seemingly been winning for a decade or 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 longer uh, in their fields, and and I've noticed they get similar, you know, detraction, you know. Like there's always a core, you know, base of people who who root for these people, but it seems like the the kind of the the zeitgeist is saying, okay, I'm tired of you, and I'm just wondering what makes people it, it's a it's turn almost on you. It's almost a boredom. Maybe okay, okay. You know, I it's guess. a boredom because you get tired of seeing the same show. You know, the series is getting old. You know, actually, the, you, you know, know we, we, we're, we're in our, our sixth, seventh, or eighth series of this. You know, that's actually kind of funny because I remember my mom years ago, I remember she saw a, uh, heard a commercial on the radio for uh, Frankie Beverly and Mays was coming back, coming to Chicago. Oh, that's a crooner. And, uh, and so, and I, you know, just kind of was like, oh, I know you're going, going to see that one. She said, no, I ain't going to see that. I said, why? And she was like, it's the same show. It's the same show. They haven't changed that show in 40 years. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that. You've seen it already. You don't need to see it again. But, but is, yeah, I mean, do, you th- do you think it's a, an, another reason and more than just boredom, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of it just boils down to jealousy a lot of the time, uh, and it, it's strange. Like, it, it's a classic example of when you are the first person to discover a really kick-ass band or an artist or whatever the case is, and you love it, and they've had a couple albums, and you're really kind of in the know. And then they slowly start to get more popular, and like, well, like you were saying about the the bar that you uh, have been to, where Kenny's bartending. Eventually, you're like, well, this is becoming so popular that now all these people I don't like are starting to latch onto this thing that right, I love. Right, 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 right. And all of a sudden, you're like, God, I got to get off this train real fast. And I also think, even though I, I think a lot of times they feel like they're progressing uh, artistically or in the case of sports, athletically, like Tom Brady, I'm sure, works out probably more than he ever has just to be Tom versus yeah, time or yeah, whatever yeah, the case may yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eventually, like when your mom's rooting for the same person you are, you just don't want any part of that. (laughs) (laughs) God, what has happened to me? Yeah, and and also you get this sense that they. You know what? I didn't think of that because you're because you're right. I don't want to sit there and and uh, and watch the award show and and me and my mom are both clapping for Jay Z. I don't want to see. I don't want that. (laughs) Like, I I want you to get disinterested and leave the room (laughs) and and something else. Yeah, and I also think at some point it forces if you're that level of an artist it forces you to do safer blander more pop culture everybody loves it kind of stuff to maintain your level of success and i think the best example of that is justin timberlake's halftime show yeah which took zero risks at all it wasn't that it wasn't a great halftime show Mm -hmm. it was that you expected something more and maybe a little edgier a little riskier because he's such a phenomenal artist right and he turned in all Uh, the hits and yeah yeah i mean it was a good show right eventually it's the beatles versus the stunts i mean the beatles are fine they're great you can't find a bad song in the catalog, but the Stones will come out and knock on your ass and run you right over and then leave. You yeah, know? and that's yeah, what's yeah. kind of cool about it. Yeah. I mean, they've never lost that. So there's something to be said a little bit about the underdog. You know, the, mm. the guys that not everybody loves. They're a little more fun to root for. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you just said that. It made me think of uh, 
Beatles Stones, it made me think of uh, Michael Jackson and Prince. It I was, was going to bring Michael up because yeah, he yeah. definitely followed that path. Yeah, it was like he definitely you know got safer and safer. Like you say, not that the music wasn't still incredible, but Prince just didn't do that. Prince got edgier and edgier and, and, and stranger and stranger to some degree. But it was still so good. Like you say, he'd lay you on your ass, and then, and then, hey, thanks Chicago, and you're like, what the hell did I just witness? And and so yeah, it's definitely something. You know, it got me to thinking about artists, in particularly artists, that uh, seem to reinvent every album. Like they they're really a different. Persona, you too. You too. That's the. They always the, have a similar sound, but it's they always go a, a, a direction that leads to a good song that you like to listen to, and they still are able to. I mean, now I, I think the hardest thing for an artist at any stage to do is to come out continually with relevant hits that is new music, and you can't deny that you too has managed to do that for the most part. Yeah, well, coming from somebody that I know is not a big fan of you too. No, not at all. Yeah, and and that's for, for I think of them as exactly the opposite. Uh, and I will give them credit for uh, I would say Octane Baby and uh, what was it? Zeropa was the one after mm, that. Mm. I would say it was a wild departure from their normal sound. And particularly Octane Baby was successful. Zeropa was a massive failure. Which their immediate reaction was to go back to really safe U2 sounding songs. Which is what they <laughs> On All That You Can't Leave Behind, followed up by this latest one, which is nothing but U2 songs right and left. And they were very conscious. I remember they, they were pressing R.E.M. all the time to go back and write R.E.M. songs because they were really pushing the envelope mm-hmm. and their album sales fell off, completely fell off. And YouTube was like, go back and write some R.E.M. songs so we can go on these stadium tours again. Right, 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 right. right. But, but like, older bands will always do that because when they go on stadium tours, people don't really want to hear their new music. They want to hear their old music. Except for, except for when the album is out. So I remember Octane Baby coming out was what, 93, 94? Yeah. Right in and there. And they and play so their, they everybody's play their like, head. God, this sucks. This is the worst music. Play the stuff off of Unforgettable Fire. Play Joshua Tree, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, oh my God, play that stuff from Octave Baby. Brian. That's a classic. Oh my God. You know, Which is actually pretty, is was actually pretty hilarious to me. I think the, the one person I think on my list of people that, uh, that the public turned on like hard turned on. Uh, well, he he had a lot to do with it himself, but uh, Kanye. Uh, I know we are both Kanye fans, Big. but uh, no two Kanye albums sound alike. That's what I love about Kanye. Like he will push the envelope. Now, it may, uh, it may, and they always hit platinum. Always, they may start slow. And build and build slow. Some of them may explode out of the gate, but every every Kanye album sounds different than the one before. And and I I personally appreciate an artist that's willing to even piss his own fan base off to do some something brand new. You know, as you you know, you're talking about new music. You know, I you know, I, but I, you know, I was trying to think. And uh, maybe maybe the both of you can help, but uh, I was trying to think of other than 
other than the Patriots or other than musicians. I was trying to think of actors or other than people who got drugged down in the Me Too thing. Because that's I don't want to I don't want to go there. <laughs> that's, a, that's a longer conversation uh, that people have kind of turned on. Well, I, I think you need to go talk about Jay Z and Beyonce because I, I think this is an interesting dynamic that they ran into. Is mm-hmm. because they kind of came out of their roots and they became this shiny couple on the hill all of a sudden. Yeah, and, yeah, and, in a lot and, of ways. You, know, you gotta remember when she did the Queen thing and, and, and uh, well, when was that? Was that a Grammy show she did? Where, no, I think it was a special she did or something where she ended up being the queen and the throne and the gold and everything oh, else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you know, and, and, I, and I don't follow their music that much, so I'm not totally in tune with anything. I'm not going to tell you I, I am I anyway, because I'm not. I think that was just a riff on her nickname. I think it was a clever Yeah, 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 because yeah, her, her fans kind of coined her Queen Bee. Right, Queen yeah. Bee. And that had been around for a while. Yeah. She, she, to her credit, in my mind, was cool enough to play along with it and well, make it a little bit of a I'm guy. not saying she did it, but I'm also saying that she would have alienated some of the more uh, worker bee type people. I guess Maybe. if you didn't know the backstory, I could see you go coming on and going, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, because like I re- like I remember when when Jay was starting uh, the title streaming service. You know, I, I remember the amount of hate that I saw online. Like, what is he doing? Who does he think he is? Uh, you know, all of that. You know, surrounding, and of course, it's turned out to be. Uh, one of the best things that he could have ever done, and uh, and it's still a slow a slow uphill thing. But you know, when you're talking about subscription services, you know, uh, versus you know, uh, uh, Pandora, Spotify that you that has free tiers, um, you know, having four million, five million, you know, built-in subscribers. It is not the worst idea in the world to, uh, and you know, but I, but I do remember how many people were hating on him and the idea of title. And now I do think the rollout of title was was bad. You know, I think you know the whole press conference when you got you know twenty of the most A list. People in music standing up there going, you know, and no longer are, you know, the artist going to get, get going to get it stuck to them. And, you know, and, and with title, you're going to, you know, and so we're like, like every one of you from Jay to Jason Aldean, like every one of you is doing very well for yourselves. So uh, I think, you know, I think some of that was problematic, but how do you compare like. P. Diddy to Jay-Z, because P. Diddy's managed to maintain a different image in my mind. Uh, no, not in the culture. Not not in hip-hop culture. He is... You know, the funny thing, in hip-hop, he's... In hip-hop, he's equally as hated as he is admired. Really? Because in, in, in he is... He is, in a lot of circles, kind of credited for the... Uh, he really found a way to commercially produce something that was before it pretty raw. But 
really he wasn't the one that figured it out. I mean, the West Coast artists, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and uh, that whole Super. camp of artists, yeah, they had figured it out. What he figured out how to do was make that New York, make make that polished sound a New York sound, and, uh, and then diversify with his clothing. Yeah, and- yeah, and so yeah, between that and the clothing lines and all of that, yeah, you know, he's he, he he definitely shares a very strange duality. He's respected because his business acumen is um, is amazing, uh, but uh, at the same time. Uh, you know, from the kind of the hardcore fans of the genre, uh, a lot of them hate his guts for 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 how he commercialized the sound. You know, and and me personally, I've never uh, never hated Puff. In fact, I've I've always admired what he was able to do with the sound to make it more accessible to more more homes, but. You know, but at the same time, everybody who hates him is ordering Ciroc at the club. Well, so. say, well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask because I, you know, I don't understand rap culture. I, I try to pay attention because I'm in podcasts and a lot of our is cultural based. And with the people that hate him, would be the ones that more are in the heavy gangster rap. And, and that actually, type I wouldn't of even stuff. I wouldn't even say gangster rap. It's more people who. Um, Actually, a lot of the people who hate him are the people who didn't like the infusion of gangster rap either. Like they really, kind of, they really liked the pure earlier '90s hip-hop. New York styled hip hop that was B.I.G. Yeah, it was well now before before Big because that was one of Puff's artists. You know, it was definitely the <clears throat> the sound was just grittier. You know, to to, to Put put a word on it. It was, you know, I always say there was. Uh, who, who was those artists that did that? Oh well, I mean, really, you know, you're talking about the, you know, Airbnb and Rakim's and Big Daddy Kane's and KRS ones and, you know, there was it, there was a, a, a ton of artists that, you know, but I think what it was you was could go back to early Public Enemy. Yeah, 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 Public Enemy kind of and yeah. So what, the, what, what about the, the, the was it Watu Clan? Wu-Tang. Oh, Wu-Tang? Yeah, yeah, Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. Yeah, like, a lot of people liked, because it was more uh, gritty, and I, I always use the, the term uh, industrial. It was it was really uh, clangy, tinny. Uh, the production value was much quicker, much faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it wasn't, I mean, you got started getting into, particularly Dr. Dre as a producer, mm-hmm. was overproduced. Very hyper. I think a lot more melodic. Oh yeah, a lot more melodic. In a lot of ways, where I think East Coast is far more rhythmic and less melodic Mm -hmm. in some some circumstances. So I mean, there was a definitive change. You know, yeah. So that was early '90s was the clash. Yeah. So when you know, when N.W.A. came out late '80s, you know, that was Dr. Dre production. But that was totally West Coast. Completely but, different. Though. But that's completely different from uh, his album, uh, Dr. Dre's album, The Chronic, and the Snoop Dogg's no, Doggy Style album. Like those are melodic, hyper melodic, hyper melodic, hyper musical albums, and and produced 
flawlessly. And it had a weird West Coasty relaxed Oh, vibe yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just weird. It was we're, completely weird. We're drinking gin and juice and smoking some pot and cruising in our car. Well, no, it was babes. a lot more than that. It was a lot of still killing a lot of people just doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it was. Like, you think of doggy style? I mean, holy crap. Oh, yeah. So that he was on trial for murder. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Murder was the case. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I mean, these were some. St- it was but, but even though the subject matters were really harsh, musically, the 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 music bed was so gorgeous. So that was the shift. So and that was NWA the way doing that same song. Yeah. Oh it, man. It would have been a thousand times different. But you didn't change the content necessarily. You changed the way you were delivering the content, and all of a sudden you have a whole new genre. Yeah. Which was incredible. And Puff saw the shift. And he was like, oh, shit, they're on to something over there. I need to figure out how to package that for New York. Enter the Notorious B.I.G. And and the genre has never been the same since. I mean, because, I mean, you take a, a I mean, if you really think about uh, like a a notorious B.I.G. He really was a gangster rapper, but he was able to deliver to storytell in ways that uh, we hadn't heard before. And and then musically, the stuff Puff was kind of pushing him to rap over was uh, super melodic. It was you know a lot of strange seventies, yeah, seventies and eighties R and B loops, weird and, stuff. Yeah, but 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 it just worked. I mean, even at times, soft rock loops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 70s soft rock loops that they would go over like this doesn't make any sense and yet it made total sense in the context and, yeah, which is really exactly. cool so but because of how sonically he shifted the culture there was a there, there, there was and still is a faction of really hardcore hip hop fans that were let's say Wu-Tang fans um, that just can't stand Puff and anything he puts out yeah, <laughs> except they will order Ciroc at the club. Sure. And I would give you, I guess, I could give you a classic rock example and then a more modern example. So a lot of the, particularly the Stones uh, albums, were just, let's set up our amps, let's record this, let's get this done and out the door. So the production quality was definitely not there, which helped it keep kind of a gritty, like you're playing live kind of a feel. Yeah. You know, and then... We always think, liked that about the Stones. Yeah, absolutely. But take that against uh, as a comparison against the Beatles, who just literally lived in a recording studio and just jacked around forever. Yeah. You know, these massively I mean, overdubbed songs. Yeah, I mean, some of the... Great. I mean, some of the... Um, some of the... the Devices we use in production today were created by the Beatles. Sure. You know, the. the I mean, what they did with a four track? Yeah. They yeah. were recording on a four track, and yet they made it so technologically advanced, they had to stop touring because they couldn't recreate the songs. Yeah. I mean, that's why they quit. You know, part of it was the noise you couldn't hear, but part of it was they had no way of recreating these songs in a stadium at that point. It was impossible because they literally sat in a studio just overdubbing all day long. That was all they did, which is pretty cool yeah, and, yeah, yeah. in some facets of it. Great, but really, if you're a rock, album purist, rock you're taking some of the Stones albums and go, God, this is ridiculous. This is a band playing live in a bar that I could go see anytime and I'll knock your socks off too. Very different. Or if you want to go to probably an 80s example, you had all this 
uh, kind of punk and indie rock, very lo-fi, very in-your-face. Right. And then you have RM come along to get a Warner Brothers contract and start living in a studio again and overdubbing everything. You know, making these, uh, you know, lush, well-scored albums, you know, with oh, yeah. tons of instrumentation going. And in some ways it was cool for their songs, yeah, but yeah, also yeah. kind of the death of an era at the same time. Exactly. You know? Exactly. But th- th- let me throw something else on that, though. The Allman Brothers. Mm-hmm. Who are a very interesting band because all the instruments they had and the two drum sets they had were able to do a lush, unbelievable full sound, and then go out there on the road and and, and hear the same damn thing out of them. Nothing changed. Whatever they played in the studio is what they played on the road. Yeah. yeah. In fact, so many of their best recordings were literally live recordings that just you know Fillmore East. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable yeah. music. Incredible they, they were they, they were really a, a different group that really hit us. And I, I know obviously they're my favorite band. I fell in love with them because it was just such a a rich, full sound and good good music and make it tap your toe and want to get up and dance with your girl or kick back and smoke a joint and and you know just get back into the music. I mean, I credit Cher with a lot of that influence, honestly. Who Cher? <laughs> <laughs> Which Allman brother was she hanging I out remember, with? Yeah, who's Greg she? I don't know what happened to Greg. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's I don't funny. Know what actually, it's actually funny when you're thinking about kind of this lush sound, and I always think about how expensive it must have been for, uh, like Barry White and uh, um, oh, Good Gravy. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Good play, guy who plays Chef on South Park. Oh, uh, oh, God! Now I'm blanking on it too. Um, I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, yeah. but because the, they went out with orchestras, and I'm th- and I'm thinking how incredibly expensive that must have been well, to tour with an orchestra. Sure. And think of all the things that killed jazz as jazz going from the 40s and 50s into the 60s. Oh yeah. Part of it is you can't travel with a 12 piece ensemble everywhere you go. Yeah, exactly. It's not gonna you, work. You just can't do it. Right. And then and then you know to put the nail in that coffin, one of my jazz heroes, you know, Miles Davis, mm-hmm. went electric, and it and and was. Hated on was it the Montreux uh, festival? Yeah, 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 the uh, yeah, yeah, Montreux Jazz Festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, 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 it was wait. hated on immediate sight for electrifying jazz at all. Bob Dylan, yeah, Bob Dylan yeah. went electric and everybody yeah. hated him. Yeah. Well, uh, wait a second here. I, I gotta go back to Barry White because I had an eight track of Barry White. <laughs> and when you went out on the back you studied road, Barry White's voice, and, didn't you, and, and you found that little eight track, and you had your little girl, and you climbed in the back seat of that big old '98 or that AMC Pacer, which the seat flipped down in, with the sleeping bag and the Boy, pillow. Can't get enough of your love, baby. Can't get enough of your love, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, podcast land, if you ain't never experienced that, you need to go parking with Barry White. Because that's Isaac a good Hayes. Isaac Hayes. Shit. Yes, Isaac Hayes. Children? <laughs> oh, I'm like, why can't I think of his name right now? Yeah, classic. Yeah, so. I'm serious, though, man. Yeah, that, yeah. Barry White got me laid more than once. Yeah, I, I believe you. I believe you. Uh, so, I guess to kind of sum what we're saying, uh, some is boredom. Yeah, like you just get tired of seeing the same show. Uh, some people do shoot themselves in the foot, and uh, they just they talk themselves out of love. I have a question though that, yeah. that goes along with that line. How many of these artists do you think really represent a time and a place and a culture that 
once the time and the place have shifted. Mm. I mean, mm. think of all the different 60s acts. They were so counterculture or revolution. They had a fight. Yeah. You know, something to fight against. And all of a sudden, it was like, ah, yeah, yeah. fight's over. What do we do now? What do we do Let's now? find yeah. something else to yeah, what are we sing about. about? It's like yeah. nothing. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that can recreate that cultural moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, you know, you were awesome in the 60s, and you got nothing to say in the 70s, so yeah. I got to move on. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, so, yeah, well, I, I, I think your fan base gets older. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think that's... Go, I know what me. I listen to a lot less music now than I did as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that's so. a huge thing that I think people overlook. Is that you know fan bases get older? I mean, if I mean, you, I'm the nerd with an audio book at the gym, you know, because <laughs> gotta read it. <laughs> get mm-hmm. but, you know, something. I'll tell you something interesting. Michelle and I just went out and got a stereo with the turntable, and, mm. we're, and we're pulling out the old vinyl, and we got some old jazz albums. We had a Charlie Parker tribute. Oh yeah, uh-huh. Dizzy Gillespie on it and stuff like that. And I have been shocked at how clear and precise the vinyl is. The sound that I'm getting off the vinyl records. Is it really your old vinyl records, or are these old remastered vinyl ones? Records, that first pressing. Okay. And these, these, these are. This is the difference. Like we had, well, the, we I had will, a first pressing of a Dave Brubeck. Yeah, like dynamo, I mean, Good vinyl stuff. is definitely it really is. a. Uh, it's definitely a warmer medium than. Uh, like I think one. I remember when CDs came out and being everybody just hated it because it was it was too clean. It was too crisp because vinyl and tape. You know, has a has a, a low end warmth that uh, yep. see the preciseness of CDs don't have. Well, and you also didn't get the full audio spectrum because you were compressing the sound so much. I mean, mm-hmm. anytime you convert a file to a digital file, you're going to lose a lot of your high end and, oh, low end uh, and you're stuck with the middle. I agree. True. My CDs just don't produce the sound the vinyl is because I put some CDs in because it really tripped my mind, and I'm going, wait a second here. And so I threw a CD in there. And I'm going, man. This this really isn't close. Oh, it's clean, but it's not. It's, it's, it's it not sound it's the same. Not though. the same. I, and it had been years since I sat down and listened to a vinyl record. Yeah. And I, and I was so pleasantly surprised and so enjoyed it. It was just really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think for a real music fan, there probably is nothing better than a vinyl record with a big set of canned earphones going to the oh, stereo plug-in. Oh, God, yes. There's nothing like that. Used to get stoned and, and listen to good, yeah. some really... I robot, I robot was an excellent stoner <laughs> album that way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I remember when... Uh, when you know, when Dr. Dre first was introducing the, the Beats headphones, and everybody kept thinking, like, who's gonna wear these these cans? You know, like that's the '70s. Who's gonna? And now, of course, everybody has a set of cans because you realize how much sound degradation you have coming out of earbuds. And you know, I remember how much hate he got for that. And how actually, funny. I remember I was talking to my cousin. And he was he was telling me about a conversation he had with a friend of his, and um, and they were talking about a new artist, uh, Anderson Pack, that's working with Dr. Dre right now, and uh, and he was just saying, I don't know, you know, I don't know, it's gonna be all commercial sounding, and I was thinking. When did Dr. Dre become synonymous with commercial sounding? For the amount of, you know, gangster records that he did. But I do suppose he's also had that kind of success, too. Mm-hmm. You know, with, you know, Eminem and, you know, uh, you know all, the, uh, all of the artists that he, he produced. You know, you know, which, like I said, gets me back to kind of the point of the show. You know, it... 
you know, so we said it's kind of part boredom, part the audience grows up and kind of aren't the consumer audience for you anymore. Um, some is just jealousy, which I think is a huge piece of that puzzle that nobody wants to admit. No, that's me. Yeah. Well, it's keeping yourself relevant, too. Well, yeah. I, I think mean, it's very hard for any artist or any band to keep themselves relevant over a long period of time. And that's that's extremely difficult thing to do. I'll throw it because you, you the relevance I think is a big one. And you had thrown out you two earlier, and people forget that that all you can't leave behind album, uh, which became synonymous with nine eleven and all that kind of stuff. That album was actually released in April and was a complete commercial disaster. And yeah. then nine eleven happened, and all of a sudden you start hearing that New York song everywhere you go, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it helped them to capture a moment in a weird way. But off of an album that but, never should have been relevant at all. Just well, I agree. Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, The Rising, that was yeah. relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that was an impactful, impactful Bruce album. In the I, was, I mean, I, he captured a voice in the 80s, too, which is bizarre, after having done it in the 70s. Yeah. And then, has, you could argue, did it again in the 90s. He's, he's, so, really, yeah. he's really our best troubadour. Probably so. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 so... You know, before we close out this 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 segment, uh, if you're an artist out there and you're you're and you're getting this hate, uh, uh, some of it may be very unfounded, and some of it may be very founded. You may want to look look at what you're putting out there in the world, because there are definitely artists that. Every single time they come out, people are uh, warm and receptive to what they're doing because what they're doing, you know, is really relevant in the moment. And sometimes you have to take a step back from, you know, trying to just trying to produce an album every every year, every two years to do something that's going to be really relevant in the time. You know, it's one thing I can say for Jay is he won a lot of his audience back that was feeling a way about him with his last album, 444, because it's super relevant to today and, and to today's time. And, uh, and sonically, he took a chance because it doesn't sound like anything out there. Um, now, of course, he doesn't have the uh, youthful exuberance uh, sonically as uh, Kendrick Lamar or, or an artist like that. But his messaging and the fact that he chose to really go back to uh, an updated version of an older production style um, is is actually the thing that made him relevant again, you know, like musically relevant again. Because from a business standpoint, I mean, he's he's relevant. And everybody knows that. I mean, you know, he's the one who famous, famously said, "I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man." <laughs> you know, and uh, so you know, so as a businessman, people know how know his relevance. But I think musically, people. I think the the biggest thing I was starting to hear with Jay was uh, he's too rich. I don't get it. 
Like he's talking, like he's talking about, you know, that you was kind of my point. Yeah, like he's hanging Basquiat paintings on his wall and his regular. Like it's too much. You like I don't understand where you come. Like me personally, um, you know, I have always been a fan, which is actually why I'm not a hater of uh, of Puff, um, because I, I'm a fan of kind of aspirational uh, hip hop. I'm a fan of hip hop that is musically well produced. And why shouldn't they be able to be good capitalist? Well, hey, I'm not a. I'm not mad. At, but, but some at, people at are. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the bullshit. This well, is America. You have yeah. the ability to be a good capitalist. Yeah, I don't and, think. And they will do things, good things, with their money. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I don't think that's what always loses people. I think when it comes to an album, and you are worth a half a billion dollars. Easily, and you're trying to pull off rapping like you're still on the streets, and you're you know yeah. trying to keep up with that persona. You're gonna lose everybody oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it becomes artificial, and everybody knows you're just reaching. Well, and to Jay's credit, what I would say is this last album, yeah, he didn't try to do that. Which yeah, I did like. Yeah, and the songs were exceptionally revealing of him as a person and far yeah. more personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, including a lot of his failings yeah, in some yeah, ways. Yeah, which is uh, why, which is why I think he really redeemed himself and got a lot of his fan base back. I think on the he came side. back to an honest point in the music. Exactly. And that's kind of what you want from almost any artist is just give me a level of authenticity and generally those are the albums or the, the paintings or books or whatever you want to say that will survive for the long run. There you go. Yeah, you, you, um, before I close out this section, that got me to thinking about uh, and please uh, don't show up looking for me, uh, but that got me to think about 50 Cent. Um, like, I, like I love 50. I, I, I like all his records, but um, probably the reason he is not relevant musically right now, like he's got a TV show Power that's doing uh, incredible numbers for um, the network that it's on and, you know, all of that. Uh, but... Um, musically, he's still making the exact same records that he made, you know, from Get Rich or Die Trying and 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 that era of and and that era is over. You know, you know, it's not 2002 anymore. You can't still be talking about shooting people. We know you're worth a quarter of a billion dollars. There's no vitamin water that's going to fix this problem. <laughs> no vitamin water that's going to fix it. The only way I think you gain relevance is what Jay did. If you're an older artist, um, you have to start peeling back the layers and revealing parts of yourself that people maybe don't know. Um, and so, anyway, with all that, you know where I was going is, you know, for some of you, some of the artists out there, some of the sport teams out there, actors, authors, anybody that's starting to feel hate and backlash. Um, yeah, you may be right. Some of it may be unfounded, but also maybe take a look at what you're putting out in the world because maybe, maybe it's good, but maybe it ain't great. And I think what people are looking for is great art you know they're looking for great albums they're looking for great books they're looking for great movies it's a whole lot of good and uh and good actually is the enemy of great it you you know as a matter of fact good is problematic for one reason it's so much good that people can't really distinguish what that even is anymore 
but they know when it's great. They, they when they see it, when they hear it, when they you know when they go in the store and they see it on the clothing rack, whatever it is, they know great, and they're always willing to buy into great. You know something interesting. I've always found out as I as I listen to new music that if a song kind of caught my interest off the bat, but it, not fully. It was actually a song that I ended up having a long-term relationship with. And if I, if it came out and it was catchy right off the bat, and hey, this is a catchy song, I found out it wore out on me quickly. Oh, yeah, the, absolutely. It's because the, the song that didn't quite get me right off the bat had a lot more depth. And, and as I listened to it, and I came to appreciate it more, and then I went back into the albums and started listening to the album, realized there was a lot of good songs with a lot of good depth on them. It was kind of funny, but the little pop song to come out, it had a catchy little tune. That went away pretty quick. Yeah. So, and I, and I, and I think that's some of the things you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but before I close this section, uh, last person that I want to mention that we didn't mention all, all segment uh, is Drake. Um, you know, I think Drake's interesting because Drake has had about as much hate as love from the beginning. Um, and I think it gets back to what we were saying about things that changed the genre. Yeah, uh, you know, like people hated Puff's sound and the Bad Boy sound kind of when it came out, and they really actually uh, scoffed at you know the kind of the lush production coming out from Dr. Dre in that camp at the beginning. But I think Drake, uh, as an artist because he was so introspective and so uh, moody with, you know, with, with, with his own music anyway. Um, you know, he received that type of hate from the beginning. But, of course, the numbers uh, bear out that he's probably the most popular artist out currently, that um, the, the times were, were ready for a change that maybe people didn't see coming. And uh, and that actually brings me to uh, something I don't want to discuss, discuss, discuss with the table, but it actually does bring me to uh, where we are currently uh, politically. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think people, you know, read the tea leaves and they see things in it that uh, conventional wisdom doesn't see. You know, and that might be part of the reason that we're having so many issues and debates and whatever with uh, our current uh, presidential administration. Because obviously, they read the tea leaves differently than uh, than Hillary and her camp did, and they wound up in the White House, and she didn't. So, uh, once again, if you get some hate out there. It some of it may be unfounded, but sometimes check yourself too. See why? Why did people not show you the love? Because maybe um, you're given good, but you're not given what is perceived as great, and that's what people are looking for. And with that, uh, we'll be right back. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www.americathemixtape.com, a cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us. 
purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. And we are back. And uh, before we get out of here, um, let's talk about today's sugar, honey, iced tea. And for those that don't know, uh, these are things that I or a member of the group have found that are really cool, a.k.a. the shit. And uh, this um, week's sugar, honey, iced tea is uh, saying hello to the bad guy. Um, So... And thinking about this, you got to remember one thing, I think. Um, everybody's good guy is not everybody's good guy. Some people hate this dude or this chick or whoever. And vice versa. You know, everybody's bad guy is not everybody's bad guys. Some people really find the good um, in that person and... And in that, you know, I'm not going to kind of belabor the the sugar and iced tea section, but I will say you can't have the good without the bad. So if there's a a person, an athlete, a, a musician, who whomever that you find yourself. Um, really in love with or really hating remember there's somebody on the other side that's feeling the exact opposite way and with that I am going to end this podcast in a way I end all podcasts and that is with the toast that started it all for me and that is to good times with good people